Welcome everybody to Los Links Talk Show. Uh, we are back with you here. Uh, the WNBA season in Bradenton, you know, has uh, has begun, and uh, we're a couple weeks in, so it's time to check in with another episode of the Los Links Talk Show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the Links Dynasty podcast feed. This is uh, one of the shows we do on this feed, and uh, we have a different guest. Every single episode of the Los Links Talk Show. I'm very happy today to be bringing in Lucas Seehofer uh, of A Wolf Among Wolves. Hello, Lucas. Hey, how are you doing? Very, very good. Good to have you on here. Lucas and I are podcast pals. We have uh, done a number of shows together on the Wolves side of things over the years on uh, my podcast, uh, Wolvescast. Uh, Scott and I, my brother and I, have had you on a couple times. So, you know, we're, 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 uh, we're no strangers to talking on mics together, are we? Absolutely not. No, we are, we are like a, I don't know, what's a famous duo, Bonnie and Clyde. I don't know. If that's <laughs> yeah, a good, yeah, it's probably that's, not a good one. That's good. I'm trying to think of uh, like what's the most like famous like uh, radio duo though. You know what I mean? I mean, you got yeah. In radio though, it's mostly like single names. You got like you know like uh, you know Howard Stern or yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of other like big radio names. I guess like Casey Case. I'm trying to think of like talk shows who are there's two of them though. There's, there's not many of those out there, I guess. Yeah, not not anymore. Not not in this day and age. That would be hard to do a solo. I've never done a solo podcast before. Have you ever, have you ever done that where it's just you like sharing your thoughts and feelings just alone? Yeah, I've done – I did a couple of them back when I was hosting the Wolf Among Wolves podcast nearly two years ago now. Um, not – they're pretty awkward. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend. You have to have a special talent in order to in order to do that. Right. Yeah. Well, we're we're uh, we're together. We'll support each other uh, through this uh, through this Los Links talk show here. But uh, Lucas, uh, like he mentioned, uh, Wolf Among Wolves, and uh, you know you've written about the, the Timberwolves and a number of other um, local sports um, teams over the years. But uh, now you're on the Links beat. So uh, how'd you get into um, the WNBA, and how long have you been watching? I mean. Obviously, we all got to start somewhere. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of what's fun about the WNBA is sort of seeing how everybody gets into it and kind of what their entry point was and, and, and where they are. So how did you get into covering the WNBA this year? And, um, yeah, what are your thoughts so far of, of the WNBA? Yeah, so I think like many Lynx fans, kind of when Cheryl Reeve took over back in the, you know, 2010, 2011, back in that area, and once the team started being really successful, started being on TV more, uh, you know, Maya Moore came along, Simone Augustus came along, I think that's kind of when uh, first really started paying attention to the team. Um, so that would have been, geez, what was I, 18, 19, 20 years old around that time. Um, and then fandom is just kind of, followed ever since and then this year uh we uh wolf among wolves we had a had a number of changes uh where tim fakeless um and i myself kind of helped uh take over the website uh and we decided hey it would be a really good idea to really expand beyond just our timberwolves co coverage start covering uh the links uh the video game team the uh, nba 2k league team the t-wolves gaming uh iowa wolves kind of just really make it more of a website about all of the franchises that are tied to Glenn Taylor for, for the time being anyway. Um, and then uh, from there, I kind of helped take over the link side of things with Tim is more focusing on, on the wolf side of things. Uh, so I guess that's kind of uh, the, the long and short of it. 
Yeah, no, that's that's I think that's a very like familiar kind of story. And that's exactly sort of I think how, you know, over at Canis Hoopus, you know, that's kind of the same thing. It's like it's a Wolves blog. And then a number of years in, it's like, all right, let's let's get the links coverage going. So, you know, I didn't I didn't start that. But, uh, you know, Eric uh, over there at, um, at Canis Hoopus, I believe, kind of kickstarted all that. And, you know, I jumped in in, in 2017 um, to help with that. But, you know, I, I think you know, to me, that is sort of the main area of like fans that I think that WNBA is missing is sort of like the super fans of the NBA who like go to these team sites and just like just dive in super deep and get kind of nerdy on the NBA on the men's side and I feel like that you know I feel like that is sort of the market for where the WNBA might be missing a little bit I'm not sure how they capture those fans I think it's kind of up to us to you know help bring them on over across that bridge but I don't know. What do you think about the idea of kind of, you know, maybe a market that WNBA might be missing and just sort of, you know, what are you trying to do, I guess, with your coverage this year as far as on Wolf Among Wolves is trying to maybe convert some people. Come on over to the other side of things. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think when – so I'm, I'm thinking back to the Grantland days. So when I was in college, uh, I feel like – and that's kind of when Twitter started really blowing up too. Um, I think that's when we really saw – NBA fandom kind of take the next leap. Uh, you started seeing people who would read like your Zach Lowe's or your Kevin Arnovitz and they'd think to themselves, hey, I can do this too. And then they'd start writing. Uh, and from there, a whole bunch of independent blogs just exploded. Um, so did, uh, you know, introducing the mathematical side of the game a little bit more, um, you know, the quote unquote advanced analytics. Um, and I think, you know, the WNBA is prime for kind of that same explosion. Um, I think, you know, the WNBA game can be analyzed at, you know, a, a mathematical level or in a film level, you know, all of that just to the same extent that the NBA can. Um, and I think that's an area where once we have writers who are taking that seriously and, and start analyzing the game in that way, more so, uh, you know, beyond just the typical game recaps, hey, this team won the championship, that kind of stuff, kind of the surface level analysis. Once you start getting into that second level analysis, I think that's when we're going to see that that fandom really um, kind of pop off from, from and I, and I think we're, we're starting to see it this year. Um, you know, the, the pandemic was, was terrible in, in almost every single way, but I think in, uh, from a sports perspective, in a positive way, we're getting more eyeballs on the WNBA. We're getting more eyeballs on sports that um, probably deserve to have them in the past. They just they just weren't available to be shown on TV. Now we're having you know a good chunk of the WNBA games on national TV. Every single Lynx game is on TV for the first time in the franchise history, and they've been around for I think this is the 21st season or the 20th season, uh, which is just insane. That in the year 2020, this is the first year that every single Lynx game is going to be on a TV, and that a Minnesotan can watch every single game if they want to. Um, so I definitely think that it's it's uh, it's still growing, but like you said, it, it's not so much on the WNBA to get these fans in. I think it's also on us as content producers to make podcasts, to write high quality articles, um, to get the information out there in an, in an exciting and eye catching way, uh, that isn't clickbait. Um, that'll get, you know, people to, to latch on. Yeah. I think something that Cheryl, Cheryl Reeve always says is they can't love what they can't see or something like that, you know? And so, you know, to have the games all on TV or especially like you're saying in the pandemic of just like, it's just like so important, you know, to have live sports on at all. Like, it's, you know, people are tuning in at a different level because it's, 
you know, it's it's back and it's exciting that, you know, live sports of anything are, are coming back. So I think definitely that is, you know, going to be um, going to be good for the league. Uh, but yes, that's the other. You, you bring up a good point of sort of like the next level of analysis or the next level of content coming to the WNBA, and we're slowly getting there. There's, you know, it's kind of a catch twenty two sometimes. Of there's not a lot of data available out there. Um, you know, there's not as many like websites as you can go to um, to get stats and to get especially advanced analytics and play type stuff like that. And you know, so that's kind of coming around. You know, you got you got resources like across the timeline, which is a great WNBA kind of stats site um her hoop stats is out there so if you dig you can find some of those things but like you're sort of saying kind of unearthing them and bringing them to more of the general public to or you know even more of the basketball nerds which is kind of what i'm the basketball junkies is kind of who i think you know the WNBA is kind of missing out on because if you just love the game you know men or women it doesn't matter you know it's still a great game to watch and you just all the skills are there and all the fundamentals are there you know you just don't have high-flying dunks or whatever so you know, I definitely think that uh, hopefully over the next few years we're going to see that evolving. And, you know, kind of talking about podcasting, that's another thing, too, that's that's coming along um, slowly but surely is just adding these different ways to kind of get into the game. And getting, you're saying it doesn't ha- just have to be game recaps. Uh, hopefully we'll get some more sort of like YouTube breakdowns, you know, Winsiders doing a bunch of things like that, you know, where they have, uh, you know, just kind of like a you know, scouting video and doing players and showing what's kind of going on X and O's wise. So. All these things are, are all good. Just a matter of uh, keeping them keeping them going and keeping them growing. Um, but it's great. Speaking of podcasts, that uh, Wolf Among Wolves launching their own uh, Lynx podcast, which uh, you are a part of. Tell us about. Uh, I love the name, a Lynx Among Lynx. Just keeping it. Just keeping it. You know. Just don't try to overthink it. Is, is, is I think is is the lesson <laughs> here in the name. A Wolf Among Wolves is is the website, and a Lynx Among Lynx is the podcast. So tell us about the show. Tell us about what um, listeners can expect and what you're trying to do uh, with the podcast this summer. Yeah, absolutely. So we just launched it this summer. Like you said, um, I started off as the host, but then uh, we brought in a, and a bunch of contributors to the website to, to create not only written, but, uh, but audio uh, links content as well. So I have a co-host. Uh, her name is Tay. Um, Usually our upload schedule is about once a week, kind of uh, discussing the games that happen in between recording sessions, previewing the games that are upcoming. Um, I think once we get established, our goal is to uh, get people on to do interviews, um, to just general discussion, maybe bring on writers for other teams to talk about other teams, um, just kind of see where it goes. We're, we're really early on. I think today we released our, it was only our seventh episode. So uh, we have a ways to go, but I think uh, it's exciting. It's, it's fun to, to talk basketball. Um, and it's, it's, it's fun to, to do so for a team that's, that's winning, for a team that's successful. Yeah, totally. And and uh, I'm sure you can find that show wherever you get your podcasts. Is that correct? Or like just search it in your in your podcast player. It's in all the places. Yep. Yep. So Anchor is uh, is kind of our, our home base, um, but it should be available pretty much wherever podcasts are found. Nice. There you go. So yeah, go search that out. I mean, yeah, it's uh, again, the, the, the people who are WNBA fans, who are Lynx fans, like they're hungry. They're hungry for this stuff. You know, there's just, it's, again, it's growing. The, the coverage is growing. The content's getting out there, but there's always room for more. And uh, I think we're going to see an appetite for more as well. So I love that there's, you know, I love a growing, a growing podcast scene, especially on the team level. You know, it's just cool that just like you can get that specific and everything. Um, but uh, Lucas, you do not just uh, podcast. You write as well been writing for a long time and something important to know about lucas is that uh, you are a medical professional you are a trainer is that correct so you are an athletic trainer uh, 
physical therapist. Physical therapist, my bad. Lucas is yep. a physical therapist, <laughs> works in uh, in that world, and that's why you'll see if you follow him on Twitter at uh, Seehofer underscore, um, you will definitely get lots of uh, uh, you know in depth uh, content on uh, you know as far as injuries go. There's never an injury or ever a diagnosis of a player. You know, we saw Sabrina Anescu uh, the other day get diagnosed with a grade three ankle sprain. Lucas is going to come on Twitter and tell you what a grade three ankle sprain really means uh, and stuff like that. So that's kind of your specialty in all this. And uh, you wrote a piece uh, last week on uh, A Wolf Among Wolves slash A Lynx Among Lynx uh, called Inside the Lynx Battle for Athlete Health. And then a quote, I think we're concerned that it's not sustainable physically. So um, can you, yeah, promote your piece here? I mean, it's wonderful. I read it. Lots of good quotes from the team and stuff like that. But what are your overall thoughts on um, this idea? Obviously a very uh, uh, condensed season here and sort of what it might mean for the Lynx and for the whole league. Yeah, so the kind of the premise for that article arose actually from a um, I think I can't remember if it was a, a shoot around or just an off day media availability, but uh, Cheryl Reeve had made a comment about how she was concerned about um, her athlete's health moving forward. Um, and I think it was in, in re, uh, respect to uh, after Karima Christmas Kelly uh, uh, ruptured her Achilles was out for the year and then Lexi Brown was out with a concussion for a while. Um, and so I, I really wanted to figure out with her like, you know, what is their process in determining, you know, does a player, should they have an off day? Should they skip a practice? Should they play through the aches and pains, that kind of stuff? Um, and, and what really came out of the, came out in the article was that um, she is legitimately concerned about the health of the players moving forward. And it, it seems like, and Cheryl is always uh, very honest and upfront in her answers uh, to the media, um, is that they're really just kind of taking it day by day. Um, I think she even said, like, I don't know what this league is going to look like in two to three weeks. Um, she had mentioned that back when the, the Players Association was um, negotiating the, the terms and conditions for this 2020 season, uh, that her uh, belief was that a lot of the players uh, thought that, hey, we're just going to go, we're going to play basketball, uh, and everything is going to be fine. And what they found out through the first, you know, month but the first month they were down there, but through the first like week and a half or so of games is that it was just absolutely brutal. Um, yes, they don't have as much travel, uh, but they're having, you know, less games, but still a significant amount of games in much less time. Most teams are playing every other day. Um, there's not a whole lot of time for rest. Um, and what we know with, uh, with injury, you know, I, I've said this on, on other podcasts, but, uh, rehabilitation science, it, it's a science, but within that science, there's lots of gray area. One of the, one of the things that we, we know for sure is that with, uh, kind of acute increases in activity, relative activity, um, i.e. with a quick, uh, training camp prior to the beginning of the season, it places, uh, athletes at increased risk for injury. So we're seeing that right now in a big way in Major League Baseball with all the uh, pitchers with their shoulder and elbow issues. Uh, we're seeing quite a bit of soft tissue injuries here in, um, in in the WNBA. You know, Sylvia Fowles missed last night's game with a sore calf, and basically Cheryl said after the game, like, hey, the trainer said that if this was, you know, a playoff game, she could go, but uh, in a season like this, in the 
I think of the piece, I called it a marathon and a sprint, like a, a simultaneous marathon and sprint, um, that there, you're just not going to take any risks because you don't need a player of Sylvia's caliber getting hurt and missing a ton of time. Um, so it's it's going to be something to inter, uh, you know something to watch. I think uh, the links are in a good spot in so far as that Cheryl and the trainers, uh, the medical staff, they're all in lockstep with each other. It sounds like they're constantly communicating. Their uh, the training, the athletic training staff is giving Cheryl multiple reports a day on the on the conditioning and the status with their athletes. So I think if if any team is in a good position to handle the current situation, it's the links. Um, but you know that being said, injuries are an inevitability in sports. Uh, yes, we can take measures to rehabilitate them and to prevent them, but at the end of the day, there's always going to be injuries, and it only takes one major injury before you know the whole season is derailed. So I think uh, Reeve, is, Reeve and, his co- and her coaching staff are really uh, trying to be careful as best as they can with the, with the situation. Yeah, like you said, injuries are always a part of things. You know, in a normal season, you know, injuries you know play a big play a big role and things like that. But yeah, especially with you know how often they're playing this this summer and the condensed schedule, it definitely kind of seems like you know teams are kind of getting wise to the idea of keeping an eye on that. You see, like Sue Bird, who's you know kind of you know been been uh, out of the rotation or out of the roster here for a few games for for Seattle. Um, you know, and so it's like, yeah, if you have little, you know, and there might be actually something like a little, you know, she had a little tweak of her knee or ankle or something like that. And it's just like little things like that, or like you said with Sylvia the other night, you know, it can just sort of snowball into, well, even if it's small, let's let her, let's let the rest happen. You know, I think that's kind of maybe what we're going to see a little bit more is what, you know, the sort of the threshold for what it takes for a player, uh, to be sitting out for a game, um, is going to be a little bit lower this year and because hey you might as well get the rest anyway a, a one night off uh, could go a really long way especially with some of these stretches that some of these teams have links are in the middle of six games and 11 nights um, right now so yeah being a little more opportunistic about the rest I mean you see that on the NBA side obviously load management is a is a hot button issue and kind of a uh, you know a term that's come come around over the last few years um, you know just to make sure you know players are right for the playoffs and you know not playing an unnecessary amount of minutes and maybe we're seeing that you know kind of come to the WNBA now as a as a way to make sure that uh, your best players are available for the most important games at the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see, yeah, what happens with that. Obviously, the links have already been hit hard with injuries and that kind of thing, but uh, hopefully Sylvia Fowles can get back. And, uh, yeah, it's really important to have her on the team. So, uh, so yeah, so the team is uh, the team's rolling. We have, a, as we record this uh, here on uh, Thursday the 6th, um, you know, the team is off to a 4-1 and start. So that's, that's pretty impressive given the schedule um, that they've had to play and how many games and how little time and stuff like that. So... Um, you know, the four and one start is big. You know, I think, you know, Cheryl always talks about getting off to a fast start every season and kind of banking wins early just in case, you know, injuries hit you or you get some sort of stretch or something happens, you know, you kind of have those wins already in your back pocket. So I think that's really nice for the team, but just in a sort of broad sort of way, you know, what sort of stood out to you, um, so far in this early season, um, for the links at four and one. Yeah. So I think, um, I like the way that you described there, you know, the banking of the wins, um, because if you look at the, the wins that the Lynx do have, they've accomplished them in, in kind of weird ways. Um, yeah. If you were to look at, you know, their overall offensive statistics, they rank, you know, in the bottom third for pretty much everything except for offensive rebounds, uh, free throw attempts and free throw percentage. Um, so when you 
and those just happen to be some of you know the the quote-unquote four factors that are super important for winning basketball games um if you look at their their defensive statistics they're they're solid you know there's an argument to be made that so far this season they are have been the best um defense in the nba and that's including the just utter blowout that they suffered to the storm um and if you look at their i i was looking at their offensive rebounding or excuse me their offensive ratings uh, per quarter going uh and this was before their their last game against the liberty their first quarter offensive rating is was like 77 which was like by far the worst in the wnba but their fourth quarter offensive rating was 109 which was like second or third so basically they're an elite defensive team who gets gradually better throughout the course of the game uh, offensively and i asked cheryl you know like why do you think that is like why are you so poor in the first quarter but the team is elite in the fourth quarter and basically of the four Lynx's wins i think you could make the argument that three of them happened because they were so dominant in the fourth quarter um and she basically said who knows um they're they're looking into it they're not because the sample size is so small they they're not going to make any like definitive changes but she did mention you know maybe we need to go to sylvia fouls early and often you know more often maybe we need to uh, experiment with different lineups and i think we saw that a little bit the other night uh partly out of necessity because again fouls was out Um, but i think i think the the biggest takeaway is that if this Lynx team can figure out how to consistently make the three-point shot they're going to be a tough out for anybody because they get to the line they make free throws at a at a high rate uh their defense is one of the best in the leagues it it really just comes down to can they limit uh turnovers from their major players specifically nafisa collar uh can they prevent uh sylvia fouls and collier from picking up a ton of fouls particularly early in the game and can they make their three-pointers if they can do those things they're going to be a top you know five three team in the league yeah I think that offense you I mean you're right those numbers that you posted just crazy to see the offensive rating just like climb up as the game goes on but those first quarters I mean I think it's a little bit of the small sample size thing I think especially against Connecticut you have a team that's so shorthanded that they play so well kind of coming out of the gate and then they just peter out they just you know they just play their players so many minutes Alyssa Thomas and Duana Bonner are some of the higher minutes players in the league and they just get so tired and we've played that team twice out of the six games uh, or out of the five games so you know I think that sort of is spiking maybe a little bit of those numbers a little bit there but overall it could just be a conditioning issue throughout the league is you know the you know the teams come out of the gates really defending the Lynx really well in the first quarter and make it tough for them and the Lynx are throwing all these turnovers and stuff and as the game goes on you know that the Lynx I think somehow hang in there and are able to execute a little bit and their defense as you said sort of remains steady throughout so that's really good um so so maybe there's something to it in that kind of way but also what you mentioned about you know the turnovers and the three-pointers those are the two biggest things for their offense I mean obviously it all revolves around Sylvia Fowles for the most part she's going to get hers and she's going to be able to do what she does but the turnovers I mean we saw it the other night against the Liberty when they only had 14 you know, even that number is acceptable. And that number is so much, it's just so much better to have 14 rather than 19 or 20. It seems like a small difference, but it's not. Like those possessions really all matter. And it can go, it can be the difference between a win and a loss. And the other thing is just the threes. If they can hit, they don't have to hit 10 threes like they did the other night. They just have to hit five, you know, or, 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 or five, between four and six, basically. That just makes all the difference in the world for this offense to just get that extra little edge in order to aid their defense um, and, and eventually get the win. 
So, but it's funny because this is kind of like very similar to the last few years, especially like last year, where it's like, okay, you're gonna have one of the best defenses in the league, and then what can you do on offense just to get you know be league average and, and be able to p- push you over the hump? But yeah, uh, definitely gonna keep uh, keep an eye on that offense and see see how see how they can keep evolving that. See if they can get some more of those three point shots to go down. Um, yeah. So beyond that, what, what have been early season surprises uh, for you? What did you kind of think coming into this season that didn't end up being true, or what, what sort of players maybe surprised you, or just any sort of uh, you know surprise that's uh, happened so far here in the in the first five games? Yeah. So I think there are there are two pretty obvious candidates for surprise players, uh, and that's uh, Crystal Dangerfield and Bridget Carlton. Um, Bridget got the start. Uh, against the Liberty for her first WNBA start coming into the night. She had like 13 career points and seven career rebounds. And then after the game, she or during the game, she scored 25 points and seven rebounds. It was just like, what in the world is going on here? Um, And then Crystal, it, you know, a lot of people thought that she should have been the Lynx's pick at six, or she should definitely have been a first round pick. Um, And in some of the comments that, that coach Reeve has made since the draft, it, uh, it, it kind of seems like she was a little bit surprised that Crystal was still around for the, for them um, in the second round, so they they picked her up. Um, you can tell she's she's definitely a rookie uh, in, in some aspects. I think defensively, her her game has a has a long way to go. Part of that is just because she's five five and and not the mo- most muscular. I think that'll come with time. Her her defensive acumen. Um, but she's done some really impressive things offensively. You know, I think you could make a large argument that the reason that the Lynx won their two games against the Sun was because of Crystal Dangerfield and the energy she brought off the bench. I don't think, uh, I don't think she, you know, was of the understanding that she was going to get a lot of playing time to start the season. I don't think Coach Reeve necessarily planned on playing her a lot to start the season, but uh, she was given an opportunity and she took full advantage of it. Same with Car- uh, with Bridget Carlton. Uh, she was provided an opportunity. She took full advantage of it. And I think that's a testament, you know, not only to the players, but to the coaching staffs, uh, you know, their ability to say, hey, you know, we trust you. Here's this opportunity. If you take advantage of it, you know, we're going to keep giving you uh, playing time and confidence and whatnot. I think that's a that's a good way to to build uh, these players up because I think a lot of times, you know, referring back to the to the NBA side of things, um, you'll see players who are thrust into positions that they're not necessarily ready for simply because they were an early draft pick, and you see them struggle and you see them, you know, uh, take their lumps and whatnot. Uh, and for some players, that really breaks them down and they just never become, you know, achieve their full potential. I think what the what the Lynx coaching staff has has proven time and time again is that they will. They're willing to push their players. They're willing to be hard on the players, but ultimately they're going to put their players in positions to succeed. Uh, and then those players, to, to their credit, have, have taken advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, those are the two names I had as well. I mean, Dangerfield and Carlton. I mean, you got to point to those young players right there as, you know, sort of the, the big, the kind of the big stories of this, uh, of this early season, at least, just because, you know, obviously the Lynx have a lot of young players looking to prove something, and, and it's kind of like, okay, who's going to pop? Who's actually going to do that? Who's going to take the opportunity? And um, especially Dangerfield. I mean, Carlton, I think she's a very solid player, um, and I think it's 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 great that the team, you know, has her on, you know, such a low number, and, you know, I think she's going to be great, especially coming off the bench. You know, she's not going to be able to score 25 uh, starting, the, starting the game every night, but I think she can kind of scale that usage down and be a really efficient player off the bench 
um, you know, who can hit some shots, hit the threes, and just do a little bit of everything on the floor. So I'm really high on her well as well. But I think Dangerfield especially is the one who, um, you know, just preseason with, um, you know, training camp and through media day, uh, Reeve was really just kind of pumping the brakes on her and basically telling us that she wasn't going to play um, due to all the guards in front of her. And then a week into the season, she's starting a game. And so it's like, wow, I mean, that's just how things go. I mean, you can't predict everything. It's hard to know how injuries and absences and how people are going to play. And, and suddenly Dangerfield finds herself, you know, playing a ton of minutes uh, relative to kind of expectations before the season. So I think she's been I think she's been really good. I mean, you're right to point out, you know, defensively, I think that's always going to be an issue with her, with her, si- with her size. But I love her activity on that end of the floor. It's not for lack of effort. You know, I think she has some things to learn and, you know, she'll figure out over time. But especially for her first week of basketball, it's, she's doing really well on the defensive end. And then, you know, offensively, she's really uh, just really, really smart. And, you know, Reeve always points to the UConn stuff and how ready those players kind of come into the league already looking. And you just see it with with Carlton or excuse me, with uh, with Dangerfield, you know, just just being so steady and kind of having little tricks here and there to be able to get past a player. I've been impressed with her ability to get into the lane and. You know, just she just plays. She just knows how to play. She just, you don't really have to teach her that kind of stuff. So it's been really good. I've been surprised. I mean, I think she's already better than Rachel Bannum. Rachel Bannum has been a disappointment for this season. Um, you know, just in, you know, she, she kind of just still, maybe it's her role, but she still kind of seems like that put her in the corner and hope she hits some shots like type of player. She's had some better outings the last couple of games that have been nice to see. But, you know, especially with, you know, where these two players are in their careers, Bannum. You know, not not a not a veteran. I mean, she's been in the league four or five years, so she's been around the block a little bit, but she's still relatively young. But I'd rather just give the minutes to Dangerfield at this point, give the opportunity to Dangerfield because it seems like there's more ceiling there, there's more space to explore with that player. Um, and, and I don't know. I think Bantam's just a little more limited with potentially what she could be. Uh, what have you seen from Bantam this year? And what? And, and do you think you know? Do you think there's still room for her to? Um, you know, kind of show a little bit more this year, maybe defensively and, and passing wise for this year, or, um, or you know, do you think the links need to kind of look in a different direction at this point? Yeah, so Bantam's been interesting. I think she um, she has moments where you know she'll drill a three or she'll dribble into the elbow and just nail a, uh, an elbow jumper. She has really great you know, shooting form. Um, we just haven't seen it translate consistently. She's kind of in that, in that awkward spot where she doesn't have enough, uh, good enough, uh, ball handling or speed to really be a true point guard. Um, but she doesn't really have the size to be a, a true two. She's kind of a, a tweener in the, in the one position where it's tough to be a tweener. Um, I think if you bring her off the bench, like the links have been doing, kind of like you said, keep Dangerfield in as the primary ball handler, as the primary focus. Uh, if you tell Rachel, come in, you know, do your best on defense. I, she's, um, again, I, I think the speed is and the lack of overall length is what really kills her on that end of the court. Uh, but if you're asking her to go out and give you five to ten points a night, you know, even five to seven points a night, uh, two, three assists, two, three rebounds. I think that's what you should come to expect from, from Rachel. Um, again, she's been up and down the whole team to, except for fouls really has been up and down offensively. I think, I think the, it's too early. I think the, the jury is still out, but I don't think she's proved to be, um, an indispensable player to this point. 
All right, let's uh, let's uh, look ahead now. You know, we've uh, talked about what is uh, what has happened, but let's look forward now to kind of see what is upcoming for the Lynx. As we mentioned, they are in a uh, stretch of six games in 11 nights. I mean, that's pretty much going to be the whole season. I think we're going to kind of learn that as we kind of write about this year and analyze it. It's like, oh, yeah, these are just like – these aren't like crazy stretches necessarily for each of these teams. They're kind of just like what everybody has to do to get through these season, this season. So, um, but, yeah, a couple uh, matchups coming up. Indiana uh, on, on Friday – and then um, we have uh, Los Angeles, Washington, Vegas, uh, Liberty again, and Dallas. So that's kind of like the slate of upcoming games um, there. But the big news uh, coming down here as we record this on Thursday is that Odyssey Sims has joined the team in Bradenton, Florida. And she's got to chill for a little bit and uh, get some negative, negative tests under her belt, uh, quarantine a little bit, um, and then she'll be able to uh, officially kind of you know, uh, be a part of the basketball activities and stuff like that. She is serving a two-game suspension that will begin on Sunday. Uh, I believe Sunday and Tuesday will be technically uh, suspension games for her um, after a DWI arrest uh, last summer. So she's doing that, and then she should be um, ready to play, I guess, uh, a week from now against Vegas. Um, so that's exciting um, for the team in a lot of ways because this was a player that uh, was an all-star last year, second team all WNBA, I believe, last year, and just, you know, someone who was really great for the Lynx um, overall, and you didn't know exactly what was going to happen with her, you know, going into this season. I, I literally said on this podcast two weeks ago that I didn't think that she'd be p- playing at all. I didn't see why it made sense for her. I'm kind of still scratching my head on why she's playing um, this year as far as, you know, she, I think she's covered financially for, you know, this year. Um, you know, having a yeah, child no. and stuff like that. And, you know, just like I feel like there's a lot of downsides for her this season and not a ton of upsides. So, I don't know. What do you think about that, about just the idea of her playing this year? Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree. I, you know, when she said that, you know, when, well, the news broke that she was going to miss the beginning of the season uh, because uh, of the birth of her child. And that was before the season got suspended. It was kind of like, well, you know, usually players in that situation, they, they decide to take the summer off, and, and rightfully so. Um, but now, um, the season got pushed out, and as the season got pushed out even further, I was kind of like, oh, well, technically, she could be ready to go if she were to re- uh, rehabilitate and uh, push herself to, to do it. Um, you know, I think if if she wants to be there, then, then more power to her. I think if I were in her shoes, you know, everybody – would ha- would have different opinions if, if they were in her shoes. I think uh, from a financial standpoint, it makes sense because anytime you can get you can get paid, awesome. Um, but to be in that uh, situation away from your from your child, uh, kind of secured down away in, in Florida, I, I, I would would think that that would be tough, and I, I think that would be a, a tough situation for any parent. Um, from the basketball side of things, I think the the links love it because it means more guard depth. Um, I would imagine she'd probably start by coming off the bench at least to start just to get her legs back under her. Um, and then depending on how uh, Dangerfield continues to progress throughout the uh, the rest of the year. But, um, you know, maybe taking over come end of the season or playoff time or what have you. But, um, yeah, I, I think from a from a purely basketball standpoint, anytime you can add an all-star to the roster, uh, that's, a, that's a good thing. 
Yeah, and it's also, yeah, like you kind of mentioned, it's just a matter of when she's going to kind of be rounding into shape. That was the other thing is it's tough to come down there and get all ready and everything. But then, you know, sure, she'll be ready to go after the suspension next week. But then we don't know how long it'll be before then when she can play at a WNBA level again. You know, she hasn't played since, uh, you know, last August or whatever it was. And then, you know, giving birth and, you know, by all accounts, she's been working hard, you know, wherever she's been training to kind of get her body back in shape and, but then it's a whole other thing to, you know, actually play in these games and play big minutes and, 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 you know, to have a big impact on the game. So, you know, it's kind of like, OK, it's one thing to be here. It's one thing to be on the roster and get minutes. And it's another thing totally to, you know, play at a super high level and to fit in with this team that's already off and rolling on a four and one start. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the guard depth and that's definitely something the Lynx are going to need, you know, with the hamstring and Shanice Johnson. You know, that's hamstrings linger. You probably I mean, I don't need to tell you that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so that's something that they, they're probably going to have to deal with all season, especially unknown injuries that haven't happened yet. that are going to surely bubble up, you know, so definitely having guard depth is, is going to be a big deal. Um, I, I just, you know, Odyssey is um, a good player, I think, in a vacuum. I just don't love her fit with the Lynx and with Sylvia Fowles. I mean, she is a Odyssey just doesn't stretch the floor. You know, she is a tw- she shot the, she's at twenty seven percent from three, basically the last two seasons. Low volume there. I mean, she will take them. She shoots this crazy like sky ball that just like goes. If you're watching on TV, the ball leaves your screen and then falls into the hoop sometimes. So um, she's just not a threat from out there. Now she does everything else really well. She gets to the rim. She gets into the paint. She can break down the defense in other sorts of ways. She's a very good defender. So she kind of ticks all the other boxes, but unfortunately, as we know about this Lynx team, it's all about spacing, especially if you have fouls out there. So, you know, I think, you know, Cheryl's a great coach, great coaching staff. They're going to find a way, especially having this player last year, having Odyssey on the squad last year. They're going to find a way to, you know, maybe, um, you know, you you don't play those two players. You don't play fouls and Odyssey all the time at the same time. You know, you kind of stagger them a little bit. They'll find a way to get it out of her. But I don't know. I just kind of like what they have with, like, the shooters as the point guards now. Not that those shots have definitely been going in. You know, they've been they've been, some, they've been clanking them a little bit here. But I just love Dangerfield and even Shanice out there, um, you know, and, and Lexi kind of as the guard rotation. And I'm interested to see sort of how, especially with how tenuous the offense already is. I mean, I guess there's one argument of, well, it can't get much worse. Might as well throw Odyssey Sims in there. But I am very concerned about the spacing and sort of what, the, what a team that already has offensive issues um, right now is going to do with a player that will just make your will make your floor spacing so much worse. Um, so yeah, do you have any thoughts about you know sort of the fit of Odyssey this year and sort of what Lynx will hope to get from her um, this summer? Yeah, no, I, I think you you hit the nail right on the head. You know, the only the only year uh, this is going to be her seventh year in the league. I think the yeah. only year that she shot above twenty eight percent was her rookie year in two thousand fourteen. So bad. Um, yeah, so she she is not a shooter by any means. So I think what that really means is that, it, you know, Crystal Dangerfield, Rachel Banham, Shanice Johnson, Lexi Brown, they're all going to have to step their game up. Um, you know, Cheryl has she was she's been pretty adamant in uh, in media availabilities lately that the team is a better shooting team than what they've shown to this point. Um, she's basically said, hey, you know, Crystal is a, is a great shooter. They're just not going through the hoop. Uh, Lexi is a great shooter. They just are not going through the hoop until you know, the, the game against the, the Liberty. Um, so I think the, the main thing will be, you know, can those two kind of, um, and then Rachel Bantam as well, um, can they continue to, you know, pick up where they left off against the Liberty and continue to shoot at a high level? Like you said, it doesn't have to be like, you know, we're not talking Steph Curry levels, but if, can they shoot, 
you know, 33%, 35%, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, can they be average? If, if they can be an, an average three-point shooting team, uh, then, you know, I think Odyssey Sims' fit will be uh, less tenuous. But if if they continue to shoot the way that they largely have for the season, it's just going to be another thing where, you know, pretty soon teams are really, I mean, they already have to a certain extent, but teams are really going to pack the paint and they're basically going to say, you know, fouls, Collier, come at us. We, we've got three defenders here. We're not going to make it easy on you. Um, and I think to, to this point, a lot of, uh, another reason why the Lynx have have kind of surprised maybe a little bit is because the other teams didn't have great scouting reports on Bridget Carlton, on uh, Crystal Dangerfield, on you know whoever. Um, but now that they're starting to show that hey they have legitimate skills and they're going to be around, teams are going to start picking on them as well. They're going to say hey let's attack Crystal because uh, she can't. She's not a high-quality defender at this point, so they're going to start going at her and put pressure on her. Uh, they're going to say, hey, we can't leave uh, Carlton open in the corner because she's going to nail that three every single time. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how uh, the coaching staff uh, kind of tweaks things as the season goes on and how the adjustments they make. And again, there, there's no better coaching staff in the league to make those adjustments than, than the Lynx. Totally, it'll be uh, it'll be really fun to watch. I mean, it's just another kind of wrinkle to this season for the Lynx and how they, you know, obviously they're adding a very talented player, and so it's like, okay, now how do you make this fit given what you already have and sort of how you've already been playing this season? Just kind of a, you know, we're kind of like a quarter of the way in now, and it's like, all right, what do you do with, you know, having a potential starter kind of join you here? So. Very interesting to watch that. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's about it for us here today. Lucas, I appreciate you joining us on the Los Links Talk Show. Please tell us where we can find your writing, your podcast, and what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Seahoffer uh, underscore. That's S-E-E-H-A-F-E-R underscore. Um, and then, like you said before, you know, I'm the I'm the managing editor, kind of one of the uh, the head people over at wolfamongwolves.com. Uh, but you can also find my writing at Forbes and Twins Daily uh, and the Step Back, where all those websites I kind of more focus on athlete health and performance uh, type articles. That's right. You're covering the Twins right now too. So if we have any Twins fans in the audience, you know, you can. Uh... You know, uh, follow Lucas uh, for your Twins content. You, you're only covering good teams right now, uh, Lucas, right? Yeah, and that was on purpose. <laughs> it's more fun to watch the games when the, twin, uh, when the teams are winning. There you go. We got two of them right now, so uh, that's awesome. I'm not sure about how the Wild are doing. I literally don't know. I and mean, the Wolves are not good enough to be playing NBA basketball right now. So uh, we, got, uh, we got two good ones playing, though, in the Twins and the Lynx. So we'll, we'll take that. Um, but yes, thanks for thanks for joining Lucas, and yeah, go follow him, and make sure you listen to Links Among Links. Let's keep the podcast love going. We have a strong podcast community here as far as WNBA teams go. So everybody listening to this show, you know, already know how podcasts work. Go go get uh, Links Among Links in your life. Enjoy some more Lucas. Um, all right, Lucas, appreciate you joining us. Uh, we'll uh, catch up to you next time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>